Hello and welcome to Logical, the regular legal podcast from the Dubai-based law firm HPL, Yamalaba and Pleska, still the Gulf region's first and only legal podcast. I'm Tim Elliott. I'm back here, socially distanced in Dubai's JLT, Jamira Lakes Towers District, at the firm's offices with the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalaba. Always good to see you, Ludmilla. Wonderful to see you too, Tim. It's been too long. Today, we're also joined by Zaid Abu Dahab. Now, Zaid is a senior paralegal here at the firm and has a story to tell that's going to form the basis of today's podcast. And it's all kind of hinging around trust, I think. Zaid, good to see you. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Nice to see you as well, Tim. So if you're both ready to go, let's get logical. Now, we're going to start with an anecdote, and it's an anecdote that includes the sad tale of a refrigerator and its owner, I believe. So, Zaid, I'm going to hand over to you to tell the story. So, this story is still a bit of an open wound since uh, it happened, I'd say, around earlier this week. And, well, what happened was uh, in a, an ice-removing incident that occurred... I'd say sometime last week, I had damaged the fridge and decided that it needed uh, someone to come and take a look at it. It was uh, sometime in the evening, and so I was uh, a bit desperate for like an urgent fix. Mm -hmm. uh, went on Google, scanned online for some uh, random sort of repair repairman to come in and take a look at it, and uh, so they did. Uh, it was just a random sort of number that I'd saw in the ads on Google. Uh, so the bloke comes in, says that they can fix the fridge within 24 hours. I thought, wow, that sounds pretty efficient, so why not? I'll go for that. Uh, they needed money up front for the parts, which I handed over, as along with the fridge. And since then, I've been constantly promised that my fridge... I've been constantly promised that my fridge will be returned. And, uh, well, it hasn't been. And uh, the... The guy since has sort of just vanished in a puff of smoke, if you will, and the and that's essentially left me with uh, some very warm vegetables and and lots and, uh, of thawed out fish fingers. So yeah. essentially, what you were were doing was you you were um, thawing out everything. The, the, the freezer had iced up, or the fridge had iced up. Yeah, it was the freezer which had uh, there was a lot of ice built up. Right, okay, so normally you just switch the fridge off and that would then thaw and then that would disappear, but you unfortunately damaged it getting the ice off. Yeah. That's, right, that's so you need to call in the guys to do that. So you call these guys in, they come in, they cut off the fridge with them, you pay for the spare parts, and what happens when you follow up? Nothing has happened at all so far. Are they avoiding your calls? Well, there were the promise. The, there were the initial promises of, oh, you know, there's just been another issue which we has surfaced, and so we need to, you know, we need some more time to get everything sorted, but we can deliver it mm. like the next day. And then the next day, of course, you know, there's some radio silence, and when I eventually follow up, they are, oh no, you know, there's been another issue, something wrong with the delivery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, until it got to the point where my number was blocked and they just wouldn't answer the calls anymore. Okay, and how long is that? in days, in hours? So it took them about a week from when I they initially said they were going to deliver it to when they just completely stopped answering the calls. It might have had something to do with the threats to go to the police, but that's how long it took. 
Okay. And do you know where these people are based? If you've been to their workshop, do they have a workshop? Uh, well, they're, they, they allegedly do have a workshop. It's not one that had an address listed on the piece of paper, which they said was an invoice. But, uh, you know, on second glance, really doesn't seem to be a, a proper, you know, receipt or explanation of what they were meant to do. Okay, so you feel at the moment as though essentially you call these guys in and they come in saying they're going to fix your fridge, but actually they just steal white goods from apartments, from houses in order to, I guess, sell them on. That's how you feel. Yeah, that's pretty much how it appears to me. I think, you know, if it was any sort of legitimate company that had any intention of fixing the fridge, they would have at least called to perhaps deliver the fridge back or, you know, if there was an issue with it. But uh, the, you know, the vanishing, not answering any calls, uh, the phone is now out of reach and it has been for a few days. So unless he's stranded in the desert, um, I think uh, that that's what's happened. It's an unusual case, uh, this, I think, Ludmilla. I mean, it, it's uh, a sad time of year as well in the heat that we go through here in the summer in the, uh, the mid-40s most days, so you certainly need refrigeration. Um, have you heard of anything like this before? Well, it, you used an interesting choice of words, an unusual case, and I was going to preface my lead-in with a small bet that we had within the firm when they uh, retold his story. And we voted for who thought this was a scam versus those who thought it was just uh, a delayed process of uh, fridge to be returned uh, imminently. I was on the classical scam side of the camp. And uh, this is why, to me, this is a very classical scam in a number of ways. And uh, I'll run through some of the perhaps... Um, red flags from the outset and then also lessons uh, that could have been used and that should be used for anyone who is listening to this this particular story but it is a very pointed and a very timeless story for a number of reasons and um, and perhaps this is why i call it a fairly classical scam i have been in this part of the world for now 12 years and i have seen new and inventive ways of um, people perhaps swindling others from their money, possessions, uh, and goods in ever more creative ways every time there is a bit of a down cycle. And let's face it, now we are in the wake and still a bit in the thick of the pandemic. And uh, people, a lot of people have lost jobs and people are dire and struggling. And um, every time I've, I've seen a cycle like that, you do see new new and i guess interesting and and in many ways very small or almost petty like scams that appear and perhaps this is why zaid who does work at a law firm who is a fairly seasoned mind and uh, intelligent person he's um, fallen for a lot of the the most classical perhaps uh, fraudulent uh, schemes and and red flags uh, including just not even really knowing who this person to whom he gave his fridge and money was, not even having a, a name of the person. And, and But it's at the same time as I say that, it's understandable because what is this? What are we talking about? We're not talking about a boat. We're not talking about a car. We're not talking about a plane. We're talking about a fridge. So it's so small and seemingly so petty. That's why perhaps some of the most uh, natural questions that we normally ask they, they didn't quite come up. Well, this this would be my point. I mean, this is, it's a fridge. It's not a huge uh, high ticket item in the grand scheme of things. But the more you think about it, the more you think about this from the scammer's point of view, 
this is a numbers game. If you can hire a truck, pick something up from somebody, sell that on, just ignore them, uh, for the price of picking up a fridge for, I don't know, 50 dirhams, 100 dirhams, hiring a truck, whatever it is, you can sell that on for 500 or 1,000 dirhams. You can see why, if you get the numbers, this is a successful, potentially successful scam. Well, of course. And don't forget, uh, in addition to giving the fridge, Zayn also gave money. Yeah. 750 dirhams for a lot of people. 750 dirhams, it's almost a month uh, worth of salary payments for a lot of people here in the UAE. So it's even that alone, even if this is your only deal of the week or the month, that's a significant amount of money for someone. Granted, there are expenses such as you said, car and phone and gas and salik and such, but mm. um, it's more likely than not that this was, as you said, a numbers game exercise and there were many other similar deals that were being conducted at the same time. Uh, so, but what's interesting is that you know, one of the first questions I asked Zaid is, why did you give money up front and the full amount of money? Because that is one classical thing you either question or you don't do, and that is you don't pay up front. And again, because of the, perhaps the, the total ticket uh, value, which is 750 dirhams. And Zaid was uh, is a very trusting person, obviously, and just and he was very eager to get the fridge back. And again, this is, this is why we chose to talk about this particular story, because there's a lot of human elements that are involved. Mm. Uh, he needed the fridge. He was grateful that this person showed up at his door promptly and promised to return the, the repaired good very, very quickly. So all the positive and expectations were all in place. And perhaps that's what triggered for him to so... Um, so, so generously part with his money without asking the most basic questions. Now, from a legal perspective, there are a number of also valuable lessons. And one, and again, there is a lot of human elements that are involved as to why this was not done. One is that you always need to know who you're dealing with. Uh, so there are a lot of resources out there online, on the internet, that are available in terms of numbers and websites and names of people uh, who provide various services. But at the end... If you ever wanted to bring an action against someone, and I know this is maybe perhaps a little too legalistic or formalistic to, to be thinking, but when you are transacting with any party that you do not know, you always need to think about, okay, in the event something were to happen, who would you go after? Well, just a number on the website or, or on Google somewhere, that's just not, that's not a helpful link to go after. So you actually need to have the name of either a person or an entity. And um, so that's that's number one. Uh, number two, when you actually even, I mean, when you call someone to get your fridge fixed, obviously you're dealing with two types of entities. One is actually the legal entity, presumably, the, the company that picks up fridges and fixes them. And then two, an individual who presents or represents this particular entity. So in this case, what they should have done and what people need to do whenever they perhaps transact in similar fashion is uh, ask for details of that particular person, get a copy of their Emirates ID or their passport. These are very basic questions. That being said, as I say that, we hear this all the time. When we ask, for example, for copies of trade licenses or copies of passports or copies of Emirates ID, whenever either we as a firm transact with third parties or on behalf of our clients, and we always get, get this, why, why do you need this? So this is so excessive. You're the only one who's asking. That's a very good point. I mean, who who would ask when you deal with, you know, the maintenance company coming in? Who's going to ask, practically speaking, for the person that comes to your door 
for a copy of their Emirates ID. You generally, I suppose, trust that the maintenance company is legitimate and you know they're allowed to cross the threshold. And uh, this is why this is such a classical and also interesting example because Zaid is not a gullible individual. He is uh, not new to this part of the world or or this kind of environment. So if anyone should have asked that question, he certainly should have been the one. And yet he didn't. Why? Exactly for that reason. The mm. reason you just said. Mm. Uh, how many how many of us, and to be honest with you, I don't even know if it were me, <laughs> if I would have pressed for a copy of, of, of his Emirates ID. But the problem becomes is that if you do want to bring a case, how do you track this person down? All you have at this point is a phone number. Now, we are led to believe uh, a number of things sort of exist in this part of the world. One is that if you have a phone number for someone, you'll be able to trace them down no matter what. And as uh, they discovered, and this is very typical, again, and predictable, perhaps not typical, predictable, is that, yes, a phone number can ultimately be traced to the actual individual. However, this is a fairly laborious exercise, and for the authorities to get involved, and authorities I mean the police and the prosecutors to get involved in tracing yeah. the who the person is that's registered with this phone number, it's I mean you can imagine they'd be they'd be inundated with these kinds of requests, and that's perhaps not the best use of their time. So in fact, as Zaid heard firsthand from the police officers when he did visit the police station, is that yes, ultimately they can trace. The, the person to the number if this is a matter of national security. That's obviously when it, it makes sense for the authorities to dedicate time and resources to trace uh, that sort of activity. But under uh, the current circumstances for uh, um, sort of swindling of a fridge and 750 dirhams, the authorities are understandably less likely and interested in, uh, in, in trying to trace that lead. Even in the heat of midsummer. Even the heat of the midsummer. Furthermore, it's uh, let's let's perhaps not uh, be naive. We don't even know if the number itself actually would have been linked to this particular person. Mm. There are different ways of, of having multiple numbers, uh, closing numbers, changing numbers, uh, borrowing phone <laughs> phones of of other people you know. So it's not even really. Uh, a necessary conclusion that had they traced the number, they would have been able to trace the person. Uh, so as a result, there, and, and, and there's another angle to it as well, is that we thought, okay, well, perhaps, and these are the questions we asked of Zaid, okay, well, how about CCTV? I mean, obviously this person came into the building and, um, and then took a fairly big appliance out of the building. So certainly there should be some sort of CCTV. There should be some kind of... Uh, send them of some sort of document or evidence of that that his identity and his coming in and going out of the building would have been captured, and this perhaps is also the explanation as to why this particular person didn't drop off the uh, so the, from line of communication immediately, because maybe they know that usually CCTV um, and other t- sort of technological means that we rely on they store data only for x number of days after that it gets scrapped mm. and uh, so it may be i mean it's a speculation but don't forget so if if zaid were to go back the next day and perhaps ask his building uh, supervisor to release him with a copy of cctv footage maybe there would have been something there that would have allowed the police to act on uh, maybe if he had gone and 
And as the, the security for whether the person signed in and left the details of his Emirates ID, maybe that data would have been there. But a week later, all that is is all that information, even if it exists in the beginning, uh, would have been lost. And so here, we rely, especially in one of the I guess the huge benefits that that we all enjoy living in this part of the world is it's very safe. And one of one of the safety elements is that we know there are cameras everywhere, CCTV, and we all think that hey, when the time comes, we'll be able to just tap in and get that footage and and have everything documented. But um, this is um, and this is in fact what Zaid was told to the police is that this is why so many trusting people uh, end up or I guess this is the society breeds so many trusting people and uh, because we don't ask the basic questions we would ask uh, otherwise and then why people just let random people ultimately come into their place and take their appliances and, and take their money and not even ask questions about it is because we know ultimately this is a safe society. So in fact, that's exactly what Zaid was also told by the police that a lot of people prey on that. Uh, they prey on the the trustworthiness and the sort of the gullibility, I guess, in the way of uh, us living here because we we do enjoy uh, the uh, the benefits of the society being so safe. And it kind of underlines, doesn't it, that there's very little you can do if you're victim to an act like this, a fraudulent act like this? Well, you see, on that, I think, um, and this is something that came up when I went to the police station, but it's that now, again, so the police could have potentially, you know, done the whole triangulation thing where they find this person based on the phone number. I guess they didn't think it was worth it for, you know, not a new fridge, but a broken one. Mm. But if I'd given them more to go on, like the guy's Emirates ID or the license plate number for the car, the car that came and took the fridge then that might have been enough for them to say, okay, we can investigate this and it will make sort of sense for us. So I think there's also like, even if it's a fraudulent act, which results in, you know, it's not a huge sort of loss necessarily, they, they can still act on it if you give them enough to go on. So that's why, you know, that goes back to the idea that you should get all the documentation. Which which makes sense. But in this instance, it's hard to prove uh, uh, to prove conclusively that there's been a crime here because you called them you let them in, you gave them the money, unfortunately, unwittingly. Um, and I suppose if the police ever do find them, the excuse will be something like, well, we tried to call the guy for his fridge and we couldn't get hold of him and we're it's uh, waiting. It, it, it's very hard to prove conclusively that something untoward has happened, Ludmilla. Well, for sure. And, and um, that also further highlights this is the basic documentation that could have existed there. But again, I understand why normal, ordinary people don't really think of it. But for example, just even a handwritten note. Yes, I gave you 750 dirhams. Yes, you took that money. And mm. yes, you took the fridge. Mm. Just a handwritten note. Uh, and perhaps if you had that handwritten note, maybe it would have become more obvious that you also need to have the name of the guy and perhaps the date and the phone number, and at least you would have had something. And maybe if you had written down, okay, I'm giving you 750 dirhams, okay, so who am I giving money to? Who is the you? Maybe maybe he would have been prompted to ask for the name. Maybe he would have been prompted to ask for the name of the company. These things, they they evolve and, and, and they kind of develop in the thick of the, of the process. But if you don't even initiate the process, they don't really come to you. But, you know, since it works at the law firm... I 
would bet that had he actually gone through that exercise, he might have asked, he might have asked few additional questions, which would have revealed perhaps additional details, and at the end would have given him more tools to go on uh, uh, when when he realized that this wasn't really what he signed up for. One, two, it may be, it could have also then in the process transpired that the person would have realized, hey, this is not the right kind of a victim. Mm. This guy's asking too many questions. Maybe mm. at this point I will just say, sorry, we won't have looked at the fridge. I cannot get this fridge or it doesn't fit in my car or something because we have also seen that. When you start asking questions with crooks like that, then they at some point they give up. So it could have also it could have also had that result, and instead this is where we are. And as small of a, of a case as it is, it is extremely important, and because it carries so many different repercussions and so many important lessons, not just for this particular incident, but also for just just general basic due diligence that we all need to do and we don't do. And we've covered this similar topic in many in the previous podcasts, and that is. The basic due diligence that people fail to do, for example, even signing a rental agreement. Yeah. There have been so many scams revolving that that particular subject matter where someone signs, a tenant signs an agreement for property without having seen, for example, either the title deed or having seen the identification papers of the owner who is listed on the title deed. And instead, they're signing documents with a party that... It has nothing to do, legally speaking, has nothing to do with a transaction in which they are, under which they're issuing checks and, and signing documents. And so, again, this is sort of a basic level of due diligence, which we all need to do. And uh, it's improving. And yet today, still, this this happens all too often. where We're just too afraid to ask the question because we're the only ones who are asking those questions. I mean, it's tough times at the moment. You can understand why this happened. It is a lesson uh, learned. But, you know, when your fridge breaks down in the summer and you call somebody and they come quickly, you can you can see uh, why these kinds of things happen. It, it's clearly a scam from what we've learned, unfortunately. Do you see lots of things like this? Are you seeing more scams of this nature right we've now? Seen, we've seen, if you recall, and we even did a podcast on this, we've seen scams related to uh, somewhat uh, higher ticket uh, price, and that is the cars. The there car been similar, scam, similar right. scams mm -hmm. related to cars. There were scams before related to properties and uh, and particular rental of properties where so-called agents or representatives would come and take uh, tenants' uh, checks and, and even cash for deposits and such, all on account of allegedly representing an owner for that particular property and then cashing those checks and then packing their bags and leaving. Uh, so, yes, we've seen similar scams, and they're very typical across the world. It's just that you know, something that is that small, relatively speaking, perhaps uh, is, is less, um, is less uh, susceptible to questions at the outset because, of, because it's so small. But, yes, we've seen this, and I would, um, you, I know if you recall, there, there are also incidents, again, if I think back, usually during the downside, because when people, for example, on the streets would approach you and they, and often they were people that were wearing local, uh, local gear or local outfits. And they just say, listen, I'm just, I, I, I just got stranded here. Oh, my car broke down or something. Can you give me uh, 500 dirhams? Yeah. And, uh, so we've seen scams that were kind of on that basis. And then the authorities have gone out on record and, and record and said, please be mindful. These are all scams. We've also seen people that was 
that you mentioned or asked that question. It's a good question because we've also seen people even knocking uh, on our door here in our office in JLT over, over many years. Once again, dressed, coming dressed in, in, in somewhat uh, lo official looking outfits and um, for example either trying to sell some kind of a magazine or some kind of uh, some sort of a, uh, advertising space somewhere mm. or some sponsorship or, or funding of some allegedly charitable cause and uh, and then they will come and looking very important and they would start with all the you know, we love the UAE kind of a message and and then when you at all account of okay we're here to I'm sure certainly as a business, you can donate 10, 15,000 dirhams. So we've had all these cases and even here at this firm. And then we know that a number of other businesses were approached in the same way in this, in this very tower uh, over the years. And so, and then when you start asking questions, okay, so who are you? Can we get a copy of your trade license and a copy of your ID? Then the, you see people scurrying away very quickly thereafter. So yes, we have seen this, and this is why this is a, a valuable, albeit a painful lesson, but it's a valuable lesson, especially now that we we're going through these challenging times, for people just to remember, take a step back when something sounds too good to be true. Perhaps it is too good to be true, and don't be afraid to be um, uh, to ask questions and and have uh, documentation, especially when you part with money and goods. There's the classic scam, is there not, of the man apparently from Italy selling you suits. I've had that a number of times on Shakespeare Road, and I still don't own a suit. I'm glad to say. Practically speaking, Ludmilla, what can or should Zaid do next? At this point, unfortunately, he has exhausted all his options. So the only practical move, uh, move forward for him is to in, in, invest in a new fridge. And but this is also an interesting angle because perhaps in the past uh, Zaid would have looked at buying a used fridge on Dubizzle or someone especially now this is the time but mm. after having gone through this I think this is he is less interested in perhaps taking another another chance because as we know with appliances they may look perfectly uh, perfectly um, safe um, and working, but when you bring them home and start operating them, there could be all sorts of issues, and um, you know those scams also exist. So, uh, so perhaps in the past they would have bought the fridge off of someone else. And now he's a lot less interested in doing so. So practically at this point, he needs to, and I think he has already done that, invest in a new fridge. And then in the future, uh, you ultimately just ask questions before you give anybody money, unless you are prepared to give it as a gift. Um, ask questions and don't be afraid to get copies of documentation. If we can give the last word to Zaid uh, for this particular podcast. Zaid, what have you done? Have you been out and bought a new fridge? Yes. So I made the decision earlier this week once it became apparent to me, once sort of all hope had to left and it became apparent to me that it was a scam. I made the decision to bite the bullet and get a new fridge. Should be arriving today, I hope. And so this sort of painful lesson that we've all been reminded of at my expense, I think is that when you've got rose tinted glasses on, uh, all of the red flags are just gonna look like flags. So don't ignore those warning signs like I did. And yeah, it's called due diligence for a reason. So, you know, make sure that you've done your research and you've asked all the right questions before you uh, hand over your fridge. and You end up with uh, a very, very expensive uh, fridge removal job. 
Do you know what? It's a lesson learned and it's a nice thing to hear. Zaid, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Zaid Abudahab is a senior paralegal here at Yamalaba and Plethka. Painful tale, lesson learned. Really appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, nice to be on this side of the podcast. And also Ludmilla Yamalava, managing partner here at Yamalava and Plethka. It's been great chatting to you now that we're coming out of lockdown in Dubai as well. Nice to see you. Great to see you too. And I hope for a lot more chats in person. If you have a legal question you need answered in a future episode of Logical, or if you'd like a consultation with a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, all you have to do is click the contact button at lylawyers.com. Plus, you can now WhatsApp us here as well. 0097152525 1611.